Thank you so much for joining us at Faith Community Fellowship, where we are one church meeting in three different locations. Our goal is to build communities that love God, love people, and move our faith forward. If you'd love to learn more about FCF or how to get more involved, visit us online at fcffamily.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, Carrie, how are you? Good to have you. Everybody good this morning? Hey, Happy New Year. First Sunday of 2023. Yeah, look at there. We have more fireworks for you, just in case you didn't get enough before. Uh, so glad to have you uh, today. Uh, listen, I'm, um, I'm excited about 2024. Are you? Yep. Okay, about four of you. How many of you are afraid 2023 followed you? I got a little of that, just putting that out there. Um, listen, I, I'm, uh, I, I am so, so, so excited about what I believe God wants to do in 2024. And uh, let me just warn you, uh, I think it's going to rock your world. You go, what does that mean? Well, that means you're probably not going to be super comfortable. I mean, you know, the only time you grow is when you're uncomfortable, Right? It's not in the comfortable times, it's not in the, in the kind of fun, uh, easy times, it's in those challenging times that God really begins to do something uh, extraordinary in our life. So, uh, so how many of you open to all God wants to do in 2024? Okay, good. Uh, the rest of you, I'm, I'm really sad about that, but how many of you have already, how many of you are New Year's resolution people? Not a single, Nobody? You just gave up on it altogether, or what? <laughs> How many of you, okay, listen, if you start out the year lying, this is not going to go in a good direction, okay? So how many, how many of you have already broken one of your New Year's resolutions? I got a couple on it, okay, all right, that's okay, good for the soul, that's what it says, confession is good for the soul. Uh, I'm not much of a resolution uh, maker. Uh, I am a goal setter. How many goal setters do we have in there? Yeah, okay, now we're getting probably closer to uh, reality here. But I am uh, I'm very, very excited about 2024, and I really do believe, um, as your pastor, uh, I believe God wants to do something really refreshing for you and your family for 2024. And uh, you're ability to, to uh, experience that is going to be proportionate with your openness to receive it. I am just done already. Uh, we have to be open to what God wants to do. So last year, all year, uh, we have studied through the book of Acts. We got through Acts chapter 24 uh, last year before we went into the holiday and uh, we, we were going to pick up Acts 25. Uh, unfortunately, not today. So we're going to pick that up in a couple of weeks. We will finish the book of Acts. Uh, it, it's really been amazing what God has done uh, in the hearts and lives of people through the study of the book of Acts. Um, I cannot be more uh, thrilled with the conversations that we've had um, the challenge that we have felt God uh, do in our life, and uh, you know, some it's made a lot of us uncomfortable. And uh, and, and I'm just going to tell you that's good. That that's good because what it does is it causes you to understand and know and dig deep and understand what you really believe and uh, and how you're going to live. And so uh, we, we're going to pick that up. We'll finish. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll start that back up at Acts 25. But most of you, if you've been around here very much, you know that we typically start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, that, that has been the case uh, every year that I've been here uh, up until now. Uh, we're going to change things up a little bit for 2024, and I'll explain to you why that is. And, and what we're going to do, uh, Daniel mentioned to you that we're going to... Um, uh, have a prayer and fasting on the 14th through the 17th. It'll start on sundown uh, on the 14th. That's a Sunday. Uh, that's next Sunday. And, uh, and that'll go through Wednesday night, which will be the launch service of our spiritual 
renewal. And I really want to encourage you to, um, to make that a, a priority. You go, well, I don't know if I like those people. How many of you know God can speak through people you don't like? <laughs> yeah, some of you, I know don't want to answer that. But he does. He, he does in, in all of our life. And um, I, I, uh, the, these men, I, I know all three of them. Uh, I've known uh, most of them for a long, long time. Uh, Rusty Nelson will be speaking Thursday night. Uh, Christian, I've known Rusty and Lisa for 40 years. Pastor is a great, great church, the Rock Church in Huntsville. And uh, it's just done an amazing, started that church 30 years ago, I think, something like that. And um, uh, so, so I'm, I'm very encouraged by what I believe God is going to speak through uh, these men to us uh, during that season. So make that a, uh, a priority, and we're going to fast going into it. And then what we're going to do is actually dedicate uh, the, the first of every month to three days of fasting and prayer all through the year. And uh, that'll give us a chance to um, really kind of keep that as a priority in our thinking and our spiritual growth. Does that make sense? And, and so a little, little bit different. So I want to spend the next, uh, today and, and, and next week, talking about fasting and prayer. What, what does it mean to pray and fast? Uh, today I'm going to really focus around prayer. Uh, if you have your Bible, your mobile device, you can go to James chapter 5, uh, one of the prolific verses on prayer. We're going to talk about that today. Next week, I'm going to pick up fasting. What is fasting? Uh, what is a biblical fast? Um, if, if you are doing without food and you're not praying, that's called a diet. Okay, so that's not a fast. So we're going to talk about what a fast is. Uh, if you're not fasting, doing without food, that is not a fast. Now, some of you, I've seen your social media feed, you do need to lay that down. I'm kidding. But there are things in our life that we need to step back from and disconnect for sure. But what is a biblical fast? So we're going to dive into that next week and uh, hopefully bring some understanding around it. So, But this week, I, I want to talk about uh, prayer, and I really want to talk about the power of of righteous prayer, the power of righteous prayer. Uh, if you've already gotten to James chapter 5, let's look at James chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. Look at it with me real quick. Is any among you suffering? Let him what? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if you've committed a sin, he will be forgiven. So what we have here is, is James kind of laying a, a foundation and uh, we're going to come back to verse 16 in, in just a second. There's one more verse in there uh, because it, it really transitions in verse 16. But, but, but it's important to understand this, this verse gets quoted a lot in church. Uh, but it's important to understand who is James talking to and why is he having this conversation with them. And so uh, let, let's lay that foundation for just a moment. So the, the people that James is referring to here are, are the Jews that have a symbol. These are the, the Christ followers that have been pushed out, scattered out of Jerusalem. This goes back to Acts chapter 6 and 7. You'll remember when, when the church was really scattered, we talked about that. Uh, excuse me, 7 and 8, not 6 and 7. And, and so the, the Jews were, were scattered. These were the, the, uh, the, the Christian Jews, if you will, the Messianic Jews, they had been scattered out of Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and we know that because in James chapter 1, verse 1, uh, James talks about the, the dispersing. Uh, that's the first verse. Is, is he, these are those who uh, have been dispersed, or a, a very spiritual word uh, that you don't hear is the diaspora, is what it was called. It was the disbursement of all of the Jews. And, and it really meant those that were scattered among the Gentiles after captivity. So that's who James is referencing here. They're Jews, they're Christians, and uh, they exalt the name of Christ. And because of that, super important, because of that, 
they have faced incredible opposition and hostility. So they're in a situation of, of tremendous uh, stress. Uh, they, they are under uh, trial. And so James opens his book in James chapter 1. You read that on your own. Uh, James opened his book by telling them that you need to learn to be patient in trials. Now, how many of you, that'd be your favorite sermon of the year? <laughs> Nobody. But James is going, hey, you, you're, you're under persecution, but you need to learn that in the midst of stress, in the midst of hostility, in the midst of persecution and temptation, uh, you need to stay faithful to him who has redeemed you. That's what James is encouraging them to do. So he's calling his readers to endure. You're under great stress. You're under great trouble. But stay faithful. James chapter 1, again, if you go back and look at that or when you do, uh, he says you need to do that. You need to endure without wavering. Okay, this is tough. Without being unstable and without doubting. Because if you will look past your pain, you're going to experience a, a, a glory, an eternal glory that is unimaginable. That's what he's telling them. So yes, you're under persecution. Yes, things are difficult. But stay the course. Look through your pain. Look through the persecution. And he will bring glory in your situation. So if, if you go back... Uh, to, to, uh, to James chapter 5, which is his last chapter there, he, ta uh, he talks about, he picks up in verse 7, and he really picks up this same theme that he had in, in James chapter 1. I want you to look at it with me in verse uh, number 7 uh, through 11. He goes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient Notice this right here. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline it. Establish your hearts. Establish, very interesting phrase. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against each other. Could someone post that on social media right now, actually? Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Look at verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Very interesting verses here. James is acknowledging to them that, hey, I understand you're under pressure. I understand you're under persecution. I understand that things are difficult. And what he's acknowledging is, and, and this is the really practical part, is that when that happens, even in our life, our tendency is, is to what? We, we get irritable. Don't point. Don't poke. But we, we get a little irritable. We, we get disgruntled. We get weak. And James says in, in verse 8, be patient. Excuse me, be patient and establish your heart. Now, what he literally means there, that word establish literally means to prop up, to, to strengthen your heart, to support your heart. So he's saying to these believers, hey, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulty, hold patiently, hold strong, quit complaining. God is about to do something, right? So he's encouraging them to stay the course. You might have noticed as we read through verses 13 through 16 a moment ago, every single one of those verses have the word prayer. It's mentioned in every verse. Prayer is incredibly important. So what happens, what do we do when life happens? What happens when trouble comes? What happens when you face negative circumstances? You do what? Pray. We pray. We seek God's guidance and direction. So, James says at the very heart of endurance is prayer. The foundation of our Christian life and walk is what? Prayer. God leads us and guides us through prayer. Now, it's interesting, uh, and we're not going to deal a whole lot with, with this. I just think it's interesting when James uh, identifies this in verse 13. 
He goes, hey, if you're suffering, pray. And by the way, if you're cheerful, sing. It's just an odd, it's almost kind of a juxtaposition to go, hey, man, if you're going through tough times, and they all were, that they were in incredible persecution. But hey, if you're in that situation and life is good for you, then sing praises to him. Exalt him. Now, we know from Paul, no matter what we're going through, we do that, right? I mean, everything we do, our life should be a life of praise and worship uh, to him for sure. So, last year we talked about really three focuses, and, and, and we're going to take this, these verses and, I think, guide a little bit of our, our thought and our vision for 2024, but I, I talked a lot last week about being spirit-led, and that's, uh, you, can't, you can't study the book of Acts without understanding what it means to be spirit-led. We talked about being discipleship driven and we've talked about being missions minded so a really key part of our focus uh, as our leadership team uh, here in Springville have been looking and praying and planning uh, is going to be discipleship and and we're going to provide a number of of unique opportunities for uh, discipleship this year Uh, if if uh, you happen to have been at our men's uh, breakfast yesterday that is one of those opportunities that we're going to provide. What an amazing, unbelievable, over 70 men uh, showed up yesterday. And uh, listen, God is, God is doing something. And ladies, takes nothing away from you, but let me just say this. I said it there. I've said it here before. But if God's going to do something transformational in our community, if he's going to do something transformational in our world, it's going to happen in our men. It, it, it's just a spiritual principle that, and that takes nothing away from you ladies. Ladies, we need you. Uh, and, and we need all that you bring to the table. But, but I believe God wants to do something in our men. And as he does it in our men, I believe it's going to uh, trickle down everywhere else. Uh, I, I think if God wants to do something in our families, he's going to do it through the men of our families. Men, if, if you're not the one leading prayer in your, uh, in your home, uh, that's not scriptural. Nothing against ladies. Ladies, you need to pray. We want you to pray. But, but, but men need to lead their families in prayer. It's getting real quiet, so I'm going to move right along. So in our spiritual journey, prayer is, is really the foundation of all of that. So I'm going to take the next couple minutes and just look at four ways that I believe prayer impacts our life and impacts our journey. I want to look at the relationship between prayer and comfort. I think James deals with this. I'm going to look at the relationship between prayer and restoration, uh, the relationship between prayer and fellowship, and then the relationship between prayer and power. Uh, You'll also notice, this is just kind of a trivia thing, uh, you'll notice in verse 13, he's talking about the individual. He's talking about the believer. In verse 14 and 15, he talks about the elders, pastors, the leaders of the church. In verse 16, he talks about the whole congregation, the, the one another's, if, if you will. So he's, he's covering the whole scope here, and, uh, uh, and, and it's interesting to see how he leads this, uh, uh, this, this discussion, if you will, or this teaching to these that are being incredibly persecuted. Now, what we understand as we look at verse 13 is that, that these believers were really uh, casualties of a battle. Uh, he, he's addressing a, a, a wounded group of people. The, the believers were, were weak. Uh, they were defeated. They, they had really felt they had lost uh, the battle. They were discouraged. And uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, many of us have been there. I mean, you, you, you take this journey and, and it's, you know, you go through discouraging times, you, you go through difficult times, you go through times that you really feel like you're defeated. And, and, and sometimes uh, it, it's, it's more than, than we can actually take. I, I, I know because I have this conversation, you get to that place and you just go, Mike, I, I don't think I've got another day in me. I, I mean, I, I am just completely overwhelmed and defeated. The battle gets tough. Our spirits get broken. Uh, we feel like we are crushed. Well, James, I think, gives us really good news, and, and, and we're, which really brings us to number one. Let's go ahead and dive into it, prayer and comfort. What is the relationship between prayer and comfort? Notice verse 13. He goes, if anyone 
among you is, say that word, suffering. There's a difference here. Uh, and, and I really, this is, by the way, pause here for a second. For those of you that are real students, uh, and, and by real students, I mean, you, you kind of get into the geek side. I'm a geek. You kind of get into the geek side of this. This whole passage is very, very fascinating. If you dive in, look at some of the Greek references here that James uses. It, it is a fascinating study. I, I don't have time uh, in the time that I have to really do that. Uh, but I'm just telling you, it's a, it's a great place for you to, uh, to dive into. Uh, so he says, uh, and that word suffering is one of, is anyone uh, among you suffering, let him pray. So again, the, the context, James is, is talking, he's talking to those who are discouraged, they've been uh, abused, they, they are distressed, and, and what he's reminding them of, and what I want to remind you of today, is when life gets tough, when life happens, Pray! Pray. It's not a defensive mechanism. It's not something that, man, when everything else, uh, you know, doesn't work, I'm going to pray. Listen, when things start to get tough, man, dive in and pray. Go to God. Let God give you direction. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. Casting all your what? Anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Some translations use the word care. Anything that is concerning to you, cast all of that onto Him. Take it to the Lord. When life is not going your way, when it doesn't seem to be happening the way you think it ought to happen, when you're weary in the battle, when you're weary in your faith, when you feel like you're being crushed, turn to God. That's a great message that that God gives us throughout the Scripture. It's a great message we have for people that we encounter every day. Listen, people are going through tough times. I mean, I mean, people are, uh, you, you don't have to go far. You, you don't even have to leave the neighborhood. P- people are going through tough times. What do we do? We pray. We take it to God. James talks about in this um, uh, same verse that I mentioned a, a moment ago. He goes, but hey, if, if, if things are good for you, if you're cheerful, then praise. Listen, that there's a time that, 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 that our our, our expression, our, our personality, our, our persona, when, when, when life is good, do people around you know it is? Do, do people around you, are they aware that, that man, God has been faithful, God's doing some great things, and, and man, I'm going to rejoice and sing praise to the Lord. So in all of that, no matter what you're going through, He brings comfort to us because if we're going through a challenge, we can pray. If we're not going through challenge, we can sing. Both of those are great healing things in our life, in our spirit. So we want to extend our, uh, our needs to the Lord, and we want to extend our gratitude to the Lord. One of the things I'm very, very passionate about as a, as, as a believer, as a, as a Christ follower, is I believe, and it's just something God just put in my heart and in my spirit, and this will make some of you uncomfortable. I believe our expression of praise our expression, and by that I mean demonstration. I know some of you didn't come from that. Ought to be proportionate to the price Jesus paid for it. It should. It, it, how we express our gratitude uh, to him. Listen, if, if you're driving down the highway and you pass me, you may think I've lost my mind at times. I'm having a great time in my car. Me and the Lord are just really having a time. But, but our, our expression of gratitude, and, and you see it in every other area of life. It's just interesting, we don't see it in our spiritual life. We can be all kind of expressive in other areas, but man, when it comes to the Lord, we go, ooh. I mean, they're, 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 well, I'm, I'm not going to go any further. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to come back to that at a later time. So not only is there a relationship between prayer and comfort, I think there's a relationship between prayer and restoration. Look at what James says in verse 14. Is any among you sick? Very interesting word. We're going to talk about this one. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, now that word sick, I think we've got it on the screen for you, is astheneo. And what it literally means is weak or feeble. Now, for all of you theologians in the room, there are most of the time this uh, word is used uh, to pray for those who are physically sick. I believe that it does mean that. 
but, but it also is more than that. When we are sick, sometimes we get so weak and we get so uh, kind of emaciated, if you will, both emotionally and physically, that, that it, it's just impossible uh, to engage. And, and, and what James is really saying here, I believe, is that in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the fight of your life, against all the persecution that's coming and you feel like you're losing, what do you do? He goes, if you're suffering, you pray. If you get to that place in your life when you just cannot seem to utter a prayer, you've hit the bottom, you don't know what else to do, you call for somebody to pray with you. Guys, this is an incredibly important part of our journey. And, and my, my fear, I addressed this a few months ago, one of my greatest fears in the church is we become so individualistic. We've lost the value of family. We've lost the value of the body of Christ. We're very individualistic. You know, I like that song. I don't like that song. I like you. I don't like you. Uh, that is not what the body of Christ is. Listen, it, whether I like you or not, you are my brother and sister in the Lord. And I know that that's not fun preaching. But we've got to get back to a, found, a biblical foundation of understanding of what the body of Christ really is. And so what happens is, so many people I see where I'm sitting suffer alone. They, they walk alone because they're afraid, to, they're afraid to ask somebody to come into their circumstance because you're going to think less of them. Now let me just say, I believe that's a ploy of the enemy. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. So, so who, who do you want to find? Man, if you're going through tough times, who do you want to find? You want to find somebody that's strong, right? I mean, if I'm going to look for somebody to pray for me, I want somebody that can pray in faith. Somebody not to question me and go, well, brother, I don't know if that's, if that's a good idea. Listen, I don't need that. That's not, that, you know, what I'm doing between me and the Lord, I need you to walk with me. I need you to agree with me. In, in faith, and, and I'm going to find somebody that will walk and believe with me supernaturally for a miracle. So we find somebody who is strong. Now notice what he says, if you're sick, call for who? The elders of the church. Now this is an interesting, uh, another interesting uh, word, and, and it's a unique word. Uh, it's a word we get the word presbyter from, or presbytery. Some of you that come out of mainline churches, you'd be familiar uh, with that term, uh, so it, it is a it is a presbyter. Uh, presbyteros is actually the Greek word there, uh, but in the New Testament, the New Testament reference to this word uh, literally means those who provide uh, preside rather over the assembly. It, it's the it's the pastor of the church, and what you would hope is that your pastor is spiritually strong enough to stand with you and to walk with you through. Your circumstance. And, and, and I believe that that word is used, uh, the word elder, you'll find in the New Testament uh, fairly uh, often. And, um, but but the, the intent here is that you're going to go to someone who is strong in their faith. I don't know about you, but I want to be known as that kind of person. Some of you are that kind of person. You're, you are strong in your faith. You, you are consistent in your walk. You, you have endured hardship. You have been through those circumstances and seen God do something amazing. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 6. Look at it with me. He goes, if anyone is caught in any transgression. Now, the, the NIV, some other translations will use the word overtaken by fault uh, is, is the term most are familiar with. I'm using ESV today. But he says, if, if any of you are caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should what? Should what? Should call the prayer chain. You know, confidential is when you just tell one person at a time. Tell your best friend. Now listen, <laughs> at the end of the day, my job, your job, is to restore. Right? Because the truth of the matter is, whatever circumstance anyone finds themselves in, 
Every one of us in this room have that same potential. Don't shout me down now. Every one of us have the potential of, of falling to a ploy of the enemy. So our job is to restore. Our job is to uh, su surround them. Uh, let me, I, I want to take a, a moment. I don't talk a lot about this, but I, I want to be, just maybe take a little transparent moment and, and talk about what, what, what are my responsibilities as your pastor? Now, those of you that know me um, and, and watch my life, most of you shake your head, even those that know me. But, uh, but, but they're very specific, and I want you to understand, I understand. I, I know what my responsibilities are as your pastor. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm frankly very concerned when I look at ministry training centers around the world uh, at, at how and what they're training ministers to be. Listen, I... We need to be attractive, and we need to do things. I am 100% committed to excellence and, uh, because I believe God deserves that. I think that's part of our worship is when we're excellent. So I'm, I'm never, uh, and I'm a perfectionist, so I'm going to qualify that. So because uh, some of you know me well, you go, well, you're just that way. Well, I am kind of that way, but, but, but I'm also very committed to the fact that he deserves our best. And you know what? That's an extra effort most of the time. So I'm very concerned when I look at the ministry training centers around the, uh, the, the country and how they're training ministers today. Uh, it, it's alarming uh, to me be, because this, this is all important and obviously we're committed to this, but this is not it. This is not, God didn't call me uh, to, to be a media tech genius. In fact, if you talk to me very long, you'll know I'm not. Now I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm techie. Um, Christy said I could have retired 10 years ago if I'd quit buying electronic devices so I, 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 am, I am techie I do love that part of it very intrigued by it but when we, when we built this building I'm going to deal with this Wednesday night uh, when we built this building this is not a build it and they will come the very reason we built this building and the very reason we've gone to the extent that we've gone to is because we want to reach people no one else is reaching. If you want to reach people no one else is reaching, guess what? You have to do what nobody else is doing. I mean, it's, it's simple. And so there, there is a vision. This is not just about a nice building, and I'm thankful for what God's given us here, but, but it's not just about that. God called us to this community. He called us to this community to make a difference. Again, if, if you know me, you know I, I, have a, I have a special love for business people. I, when I started in ministry, we were in a very uh, business environment. And so I have, a, I have a special love for business people. I love business men and women. Uh, I love men and women who have great influence. Uh, God's given me a heart. He's given me a lot of favor uh, in that to connect with those people and be a support uh, to those people, a couple weeks ago, I was meeting with somebody, and, and he goes, so what do, you, what do you need? I go, I don't need anything. I, I just want to let you know I appreciate you and want to pray for you. And uh, he didn't say it, but you could read all over his face. that not, He hadn't had many people <laughs> say that uh, to him. And, and so I, that, that is just a ministry God has put in, in, in my life, and I, I love business people, love spending time with business people. Uh, listen, I, I would attend every single event if I could, not because I love events. I just love the people that are there. I'd love to go to every hospital visit. I want to go to every party. Uh, all of those things are super important. But let me tell you what I understand, and I want you to understand what my primary responsibilities are, and there are only two things. To study and prepare God's Word, to deliver to you, and to pray. Those are the two things that are my responsibility to you. I can do all those other things and I can have all kind of friends, but if I fail at those two things, I have failed you. And so I can't go to everything that I would love to go to uh, for that reason. Uh, I, some of you will, will reach out to me on, uh, on, or if you try to reach out to me on Friday or Saturday, you're probably not going to get me. Uh, it is the one time I try to disconnect from my, my phone. I do a fair amount of study through the week. 
but I kind of hibernate on Friday and Saturday to the best uh, of my ability so that I'm prepared to share with you today. And uh, that this is more important than any of those things. Not that your thing may not be important, but uh, that, that may be why it's difficult to get me on a Friday or Saturday. The staff really don't reach out to me on Friday or Saturday uh, unless it's an emergency. And it really goes back. Do you remember Acts chapter 6? Uh, do you remember when they were trying to figure out kind of it, it, it all had gotten really overwhelming and the apostles were struggling with responsibility and everything in this uh, new church? And so what they did was they called all the people together and they said, look, we're going to appoint others to take these tasks. And uh, in verse 4, they say this, and we will devote ourselves to what? I think it's up there. Is it up there? Yeah, prayer and ministry of the word. So, so that is, is my job. Before I do anything else, my priority is to prepare God's Word uh, to deliver to you what I believe God is saying to us as a church and as a body. Uh, this idea of prayer is, is really coming alongside uh, the, those who are, are really spiritually weak. It's one of the greatest privileges I have as a pastor is people will call me and say, you know, Mike, will you, just, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for this situation. I have business people that call me and say, hey, I got a business deal uh, going down at two o'clock this afternoon. Would you just pray uh, that God will give us favor? And, uh, and, and that is one of the greatest privileges that I have and enjoy is, is praying with people, walking with people, being uh, uh, hopefully a person of, of faith and encouragement. So this ministry of prayer is really, really important. Now, he also mentioned something else here that I want to I dive into uh, before I go to the, the third one. But, but he talks about anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Again, this is a very, very interesting uh, uh, context here and, 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 and lesson I think that James is teaching us. Uh, I, I could do a whole series of messages on anointing uh, with oil. Oil in Scripture often represents uh, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. What James is doing here in James chapter 5, it, it really carries the word there. And again, all you students, y'all can go study this. Uh, it really carries a little more of a utilitarian context than a ceremonial context. Does that make sense? You'll find in Scripture where there are ceremonial moments where uh, individuals are anointed with oil. Um, but but what, it, what, what James is talking about here, and it's important to the context of, what he's, of who he's talking to, is a, an idea of, of rubbing oil in a wound. Does that make sense? Now, we don't do that here. Uh, we call it Neosporin. Okay, they, they didn't have Neosporin plus pain uh, in, in, in Bible days. Uh, but what they would do when there was a wound or, or uh, uh, you know, some, somebody was, was really parched, for an example, is they would rub oil on the wound it would relieve and give comfort in that particular situation and so uh, what what James is saying is when when those that are hurting those that are struggling listen don't put salt in it put oil in it our job my job is to soothe now I'm going to speak if you know me you know I'm going to speak truth to you but the grace side of that is I'm going to put oil I want to soothe the wound right I want to soothe the inflammation, that's our job. It's a powerful picture. Are you, anybody getting this? You okay? So there's this powerful picture of a, of a soothing of a wound. When, when, when things are, are, are really irritated, we can bring hope and peace. That is the ministry of restoration. When somebody is going through a difficult time, when, when there's pain and they're weak and they're weary and they're exhausted, listen, Soothe them in the name of the Lord. Bring comfort to them in the name of the Lord. How many of you know in some of those conversations, some of us really jump to truth. Some of us like truth more than grace. And we really jump to, jump to truth first. And uh, I, I hear this. I talked to somebody yesterday. Just uh, They're not in church. Um, I, I was in their establishment. They're not in church. Super wounded by the church. I can't tell you. I've been doing this a long time. I hear that. Often, unfortunately, uh, some of our greatest wounds come out of the church. Some of you have been wounded in church. And, uh, and, and you know what? Sometimes we just need to, listen, I didn't go, hey, you need to get in church. 
I, I, I didn't do that. What I did do is I said, you know, I, I am so sorry that happened to you. And as a Christ follower, forgive us that we wounded you. And uh, if you're looking for a place to go, I'd love to have you come and be a part of what God's doing here. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. But uh, find a place of soothing. Does that make sense to anybody? So, so in the name of the Lord, what, what does that mean? Let, let me just tell you, that, that simply means that when we do something in the name of the Lord, it is consistent with who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So if I'm doing something in the name of the Lord, it is consistent with His name. It's consistent with His character. When, when, when I pray and, and, and I invoke the name of the Lord, what I'm saying is this is what Christ would want in your life. And, and so it, it is a soothing and, and a power that exists. I believe that for many, many people, we are Christ to them. Now, I don't mean that in a universalist way. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you may be the only Jesus they meet today. In your life, your reaction. This means when they do you wrong, by the way. is to point people back to Him. That whatever your reaction, whatever your response, whatever your demeanor, whatever your persona points them back to Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful principle. So listen, if, 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 if you're weak, if you're suffering, pray. If, if, you are, uh, if you're overwhelmed, then uh, listen, call for the elders of the church. Call for those who are spiritually strong to help raise you up. And let's look at number three. We'll cover two more very, very quickly. Prayer and fellowship. Prayer, and this is, this is incredibly, uh, I, I wanted to, in fact, do we have uh, verse 16? Yeah, we happen to have it. Therefore, now th this, this makes everybody super nervous. Okay, I, I could teach on this one for a month. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? Why? That you may be healed. Pray, confess your sins, pray for one another, that you may be healed. Now, James makes a transition here because it starts with the word what? Therefore, when it's, you see the word therefore, what do you do? See what it's there for. So it's interesting that he comes out of this wound, you know, you're wounded, man, you've been beaten up, you, you're, you're under this incredible uh, pressure, you're overwhelmed, you're getting pressed down, you're getting crushed, and therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Can I, can I tell you why that's super important? This is in your notes, by the way. Sin wants you to be alone. That may be the most powerful thing I've said to you all morning. Sin wants you to be alone. Sin doesn't want anybody else to know. As long as it's private... As long as it's secret, you know what? You can nurse it, you can nurture it, you can feed it. Let me tell you what God wants. God wants it to be open. God wants sin to be open. Why? So we can be, what? What did it say? So we can be healed. Listen, if, if you're struggling in an, in an area, uh, it, it is our confession to one another. Now listen, it's not confession to everybody. Okay, context of what we've been talking about. But as we confess our struggle, as we confess our sin, and we pray for one another, there is healing. Now this word confess is another really interesting uh, word, and, and it's a, um, uh, and, and, and don't, don't miss this, it's a long word, it's a big word, go, go to, there it is. Uh, okay, on three, everybody pronounce that, one, two, three. Eximologic, what is it? There you go, eximologio. So here, here's what, here's the mean, the, the literal understanding of that word is that you hold nothing back. You confess your sins to one, that's what he says. Hold nothing back, no reservation. You're going to come completely clean. 
Tell somebody where you are. Tell somebody what's happening in your life. Share your life so that you may be what? Healed. You go, Mike, I can do this, said every alcoholic. I'm almost, I, I can, if I just do this, I can overcome this, said every addict. Let me help you with that. No offense to anyone. No, you can't. If you could, you'd have already done it. Right? That's the lie the enemy gives us. So we keep it secret. We don't tell anybody. We go to church. We smile. We go to life group. We smile. Everybody's good. How you doing? And we're broken. Why? Because the enemy wants sin to be alone in your life. It's not God's plan for you. What James is saying is to prevent you from getting weak and distracted and broken. Man, share your burdens with one another. This is the last thing very, very quickly. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. The relationship between prayer and power. Notice the second half of verse 16. The prayer, in some translations, NIV, um, uh, KJV for sure, talk about the effectual, fervent prayer. ESB, uh, uh, NASB really doesn't, I think, expound on it to the extent that it's meant. But it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Why do you go to your elders? Why do you share with other strong believers? Because a righteous person praying and agreeing for you is transformational. That's why. The effective prayer, that word effective, I think we have this, that, 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 that word effective prayer literally means energy. Listen, man, find somebody that can come alongside you with power that's energetic, that can believe in faith and go, man, I'm going to stand with you. We're going to conquer this. You are not alone. Say that to somebody this week. You're not alone. There's power in righteous prayer. I'm reminded several, several years ago, Dr. Dr. Cho has, has since gone to be with the Lord. Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, 800,000 members in Seoul, Korea, full gospel church there, remarkable place. One of the things Dr. Cho had a vision for in Seoul is if you looked out over the city of Seoul, Korea, this is, this is South Korea. You look out over the city of Seoul, Korea, you would see these red crosses all over the city, everywhere. They'd be on buildings, they'd be on poles, they'd, they'd be all over the city, these little red crosses. And what Dr. Cho did was he, he helped the community. They communicated this to, to the community. And here was the, here was the idea. If you have a need, if, 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 if you have a situation in your life, if you will find one of those red crosses, God will meet you there. And how powerful is that? Listen, why can't we be that? Why can't we be known as that? Somebody just says, man, if I can just get to Mike, I, there's power and effective prayer there. If, if, if I can get to Jesse or, 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 or Frank or... Or, or Bob, or, or Larry, or, or Jerry, or Sue. If I can just get to them, there's power in prayer. Are you known for that? Is that what the first place somebody would go? Is to call you? I just really have one question for us today. Will you commit to be a person of prayer in 2024? Will you commit to be a person of prayer? I'm talking about that kind of person. Known as a person of prayer. I met with a guy this week over a huge international ministry and He's struggling. There's some things happening in his life out of his control. And just 
down, he's wounded. And I texted him and I said, hey, will you have coffee? He said, sure. And here's what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you I do it right every time. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of sometime moments. And when he sat down, here's what I said, and I usually do. Hey, I don't need any detail. I don't even need to know what's wrong if you don't want to tell me. That's not what this is. I just want you to know, number one, you're not alone. And number two, you have a friend. You understand how unprofound that is? <laughs> I mean, how you don't have to have any skill for that. Are you with me? Hey, I don't need to know the details. I, that's not what this is about. I just want you to know you're not alone. You're not walking by yourself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you. And I'm going to be your friend. Good, bad, and ugly. Every one of you will have that opportunity. If you'll look for it. Will you commit to be a person of prayer in 2024? Would you stand with me? Fathers, we stand in this room today. Every person in this room has gone through moments of weakness, struggle, difficulty. Every person in this room has had moments where their life has they just felt crushed. And my guess would be if we had time to go around the room is that every one of those individuals could recount someone that came alongside. It was the perfect timed phone call. It was the perfect time text. It was God, the song you orchestrated on the radio at just the right moment to bring healing. God, I pray as we walk and step into 2024 that we would do so as people of prayer. I pray that every person in this room would commit to be a Red Cross. Would commit to be that person that, man, if somebody is struggling, they're struggling with sin in their life, we're, they're not going to get condemnation here. What they're going to get is somebody that's going to speak truth, but with grace. Soothing oil. Soothing oil. Bringing the Holy Spirit over that situation in the name of of the Lord consistent with your character and who you are so as we stand in this room the very beginning of 2024 Father we make that commitment if you'll make that commitment in your prayer would you just slip your hand as up to the Lord to say I, I will Lord I I I'm in I, I want to be that person I want to be somebody that others can come to and 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 and, 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 and know that they're going to get somebody that's not going to condemn, not, not going to beat them down. But Lord, just stand with them and encourage them. So we thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Prayer is powerful. Thanks for listening to this week's past message. We hope and pray that it encouraged you and helped move your faith forward. If you'd love to learn more about FCF or how to get more involved, visit us online at fcffamily.com.